The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Let me talk to you guys for just a second about patience in fantasy basketball. This is not aimed at a specific player or circumstance or analyst or user or listener. It's about the concept as a whole because it applies in so many different manners in, well, life, but this isn't a life podcast, so fantasy basketball. Patience is the hard way to make a living in fantasy basketball. This is not me claiming that anyone needs to have pity on an analyst of any kind, anywhere, myself or any of the guests, amazing guests we've had on this show throughout the years. But rather, for you guys to understand that it is exponentially simpler for us as trusted go-to to just say the easy thing, which is so-and-so is a pickup, so-and-so is a drop, and not worry about the repercussions of such a thing because the news timeline flows so fast that by the time the next thing happens, no one will remember what we said a week ago. That's the easy way. The hard way is basically keeping receipts, keeping record of where you stand on things, and also exercising patience. Patience is hard because it's it's going to be painful. I can now use an example. This year, exercising patience with someone like, say, Chris Boucher, was extremely annoying. It would have been a lot easier for all of us in the analyst community, some did, some didn't, to say, kick rocks after three games. And you know what? It would have been fine. Because seemingly he's not getting any better. And his minutes aren't going anywhere. What's hard is the weight. But we do it on everyone if the situation feels right. You know, some of it, there's a lot that goes into that calculation, upside, trend lines, things of that nature. To make the final call on a particular guy. And we've advised different levels of patience in different scenarios. With a guy like Boucher, what was the harm in waiting an extra week? With a guy like Rob Covington, what was the upside now in waiting the extra week? With a guy like Larry Nance, we waited part of an extra week. With TJ McConnell, we waited a little bit. And sure enough, Malcolm Brogdon missed, what, five of the last six games. I know he's supposed to be back tonight. But immediately, you can see that there's massive handcuff potential there. And then, presumably, he'll figure out his place in the universe. And maybe there will be a little something extra. And they're not the only guys, obviously. They're just the ones that come up because 
you know, I was I was relatively well. I wasn't that high on Rob Covington this year, but I was medium, probably higher than many. Still lower than I've been in the past, but higher than many. And Larry Nance, I thought, would get more playing time. Although that one, I'm kind of mad because right when the trade went down, you guys might remember if you were listening the offseason, I said, this is bad for him. And then everybody's like, Dan, look closer. And I was like, oh, there's a lot of places he could fit in, but then they're not, they're not doing it. So the simple solution there, which is too many bodies, turns out to be the right one, at least in the short term. But again, I don't want to make this about any specific player. I just want you guys to sort of sit back in your chairs for a moment or wherever you are listening to this podcast and think it's harder not only for me to do it, but for them, for Dan, whoever, to put his neck on the line and say, wait a little bit. But here's the thing. We really only need one of the weights, the short weights. These are not like wait two months to pay off. This is what it drives me a little bit crazy. This isn't so much a rant here at the beginning of the show as, like, let's all understand where this thought process comes from. As someone like an Alperin Sengun, who's number 209 right now, but based on how a lot of the community views him as, you know, budding superstar, you'd think he's right around the corner from being a top 75 guy. Really, think about this. Like, in a 12-team league, once you get outside the top 120, everybody's exactly the same. They're guys that you effectively shouldn't be starting, more or less, even in competitive ones. Less competitive ones, you probably want to set the bar even a little bit earlier. Once you're outside the top 120, it doesn't matter. So, the, the thought process here is, well... I'll sit on Alperin Sengun because we know the trend line is pointed up. Okay, that's fine. I won't sit on Chris Boucher because he's been bad and I see no path out of it. Okay, all of that makes sense, but effectively you're doing the same thing because neither one of those guys has been startable so far this year. And that's not to compare the two because one, Boucher was getting drafted in the 80s and uh, Sengun was being drafted about 30 slots later than that, 40 slots later than that. But the point is the same. We're much more willing to exercise patience with something that appears shiny or maybe even where the expectations were lower and we know that there's something way off in the distance. But the result is the same in the short term. You have guys that you can't really play. So then when I say it's easier to just say cut a guy, I mean that on all of these fronts. It's easier to just say cut Alper and Sengun, which, you know, I don't know that I necessarily advise picking up up anyway, because with a lot, as the case with a lot of rookies, we're a little ways away from seeing value. But it is harder to hang on. And it's harder because the abuse is easier and the payoff is less it's, it's almost like for an analyst, it's a lose-lose. And yet, we're doing it anyway. Let me explain myself to you on that front, and then we can dive into some of the real stuff today. For an analyst to say, hang on, don't drop a guy who's playing poorly, when maybe there's a path out of it, but it might not be a great path, 
What that analyst is doing is say, is basically making you do something you don't want to do. So I'm already pissing you off. I don't want to do this, Dan, but I'm going to do it for you. But I'm annoyed with you about it. And then the, if their payoff isn't there, then you're doubly annoyed because you're like, well, I could have dumped this guy a week before. But I really want you guys to understand why doing the hard thing yourselves and then me telling you guys to do the hard thing is still the right way to do it. Because if something sneaks through, a couple of years ago it was Nikola Jokic. Don't forget that, guys. Last year it was Rob Covington. He's back there again. Remember last year he was shot about 28% the first four weeks of the year. He was outside the top 130. Everybody said drop. We said hold. And then what happened? Top 40. Yeah, an injury to Yusuf Nurkic helped him kind of get on track. But even once guys came back, Covington was still kicking around in that 60 to 75 range. And he was number 20, 20 by totals over the course of last year. Do you know what you would have been thinking if you had dropped that guy? Honestly, you probably would have just forgotten it happened. Because that's why it's easier it's easier as an analyst, it's easier as a player to just do the quick fix and not worry about it. But think about what the payoff was like there. But that's why this is kind of a lose-lose scenario because if a guy doesn't come out of his tailspin like we're seeing Chris Boucher this year, not only is an analyst telling you to do something you don't want to do, but now you've, you haven't gotten any payoff. Hey, do this, there will be a payoff afterwards, which is kind of what the deal is with these rookies. Hey, do this thing that's annoying, there will be a payoff way down the line, as opposed to, hey, do this thing that's annoying, noops, oops, no payoff. You guys are doubly pissed at us. But again, sometimes doing the hard thing is the right thing. Because on the other end of it, what did you miss? What did you miss? By hanging on to, let's say you had two of these guys. You have Covington and you had Chris Boucher. What did you miss by holding on to those guys for one extra week? Well, first, Covington's come out of his tailspin, and he's actually looked pretty good. Including yesterday, by the way. I know he only made two of his eight shots, but again, eight shots. What did you miss? Did you miss out on our guy Nick Batum? Probably not. I'm sure you had someone else you could part with. Did you miss on... Jalen Brunson, who needs to score 20 points a game to stay inside the top 80? Because his fantasy game is kind of weird. I like what he's doing right now, by the way, but his fantasy game is a little weird. What did you miss by hanging on a little bit longer? I want you to view a lot of your moves from today until the end of time by the upside versus the downside. I get so many questions that are like, who should I play tonight? Should I stream Shake Milton Or should I stream George Hill? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. None of these guys is going to mean anything to your team in four days. It doesn't matter. What mattered is, well, what if you did now hang on to Rob Covington? A lot of guys said, kick him to the curb. We actually might even have shows here at Hoopball that said, kick him to the curb. But what if you held on? What if you just held on to a guy who rolls top 80 the rest of the way? What if? Those guys are not on the waiver wire very often. How many pickups have there been so far this season? I'm not talking, and I'm talking about guys like true 
waiver wire pickups, guys that really weren't drafted, that are hanging out inside the top 80 right now. And legitimate ones, not limited sample size kind of stuff. Legitimate pickups inside the top 80. I think the answer is zero. Ah, sorry, Nick Batum. I think the answer is Nick Batum. Maybe Will Barton, depending on where he was drafted. Maybe Grayson Allen. Three? Are we going to agree on three? You guys might have another name in there, uh, like Cole Anthony. Generally drafted. Super late. So there's some gray areas to that degree. But... Most of the time, these guys you're picking up that you're like, ah, I got to drop somebody. I can't be the one who misses out on. They generally suck. They generally fall back to where they belong, which is like between 90 and 150. So do the hard thing. And while you're doing it, think, damn, the places that are telling me to do the hard thing and risking losing me as a listener or subscriber, really, because if it doesn't work out, you're doubly pissed. They must really have conviction that that's the way to win competitive leagues. If you're in a non-competitive league, do whatever the hell you want. Like this, listening to this podcast alone, uh, getting a rank list alone, you probably are smoking your league anyway. I thought we had time for that today because yesterday's card was only three games long. So today's show was going to be probably kind of short. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Spending your small portion of your Wednesday with us. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google Dan from HoopBall. HoopBall is the website, at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter, hoop-ball.com. If you want to get instant access to the pros all day, every day, sign up for the HoopBall Fantasy Pass and hop into the premium Discord where HoopBall analysts, editors, the top minds in the business are taking questions from you guys, the premium subs. They'll build your team every single day. It's amazing. It's only $5.99 a month, too. You don't even have to do it for the whole season. You can do it for a month or two here and there. This month, next month, whatever it takes to get yourself in winning position and then shuffle along, do it that way again next year. Whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes. Hoop-ball.com, the fantasy pass, and join me. I actually host a bunch of Discord stuff on Mondays every week. So that's pretty cool. Uh, yesterday, in the association, Milwaukee beat Philadelphia. The Zombie Sixers 118-109 game that stayed close longer than it should have. Uh, but the Bucks kind of got... There were stretches where they got a bit out-hustled. And then things leveled off by the end. Tyrese Maxey had a huge ball game. And the Sixers right now, while they're down Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Matisse Thybul, and of course Ben Simmons, they're effectively a start-the-starters streaming unit. Although I think I could make the argument Danny Green is probably worth starting even with a bench roll. He played 29 minutes off the bench yesterday, and effectively he was like one defensive stat away from having a perfectly fine fantasy game. Just as it turned out, it was a weird game where he didn't get one. But Maxie's a go, Drummond's a go, uh... Paul Reed, when he's starting, is on the fence. He had five defensive stats. I don't know if that's a repeatable thing. So I might take back what I said about start the starters and say Paul Reed is kind of maybe a little bit of a deeper league guy. Shake Milton, start him if he's starting. Furkan Korkmaz had a horrible shooting game yesterday, but generally he's a start him if he's starting kind of guy as well. On the Milwaukee side, Drew Holiday 
slowly trying to get his legs back. Shot's still not there, but seven boards, six assists, two steals, two blocks. There was a lot of Twitter activity last night that Drew Holiday was putting people uh, in defensive lockdown, so he's beginning to get it back together. Giannis, well, what can we say? The free throw stuff just bounces around every day, bounces around, and he goes as his free throw goes. He's back down to number 16 in 9-cat after... When he was shooting 71% at the line, like two games ago, he was number nine. Back down to 69%, he's number 16. This is Giannis. Get used to it. That's why he's not a first-round guy on a per-game basis. He's a really, really good second-rounder because he does some pretty remarkable stuff on a basketball court, and he, he might very well be the best player in the world right now, but he still can't shoot free throws. I don't care how many times he changes what he's doing at the line. It's the same Grayson Allen is turning out to be one of the greatest long streamers in the history of long streaming. We picked him up right at the beginning of the year. You guys might remember I called him a streamer with benefits. I said, screw it. We'll just start him until Dante DiVincenzo comes back and we'll be happy with like top 80 production. He's been number 43. It's way better than I could have ever expected. Hitting three and a half threes a game, playing alongside Giannis does tend to help guys get open looks. So keep rolling him out there. Bobby Portis with no Brooke Lopez. He's just going to go bananas when Brooke if Brooke, whatever's going on there, comes back, Portis probably slides back more towards the edge of the top 100, but he's an easy start right now as well. George Hill got the start at shooting guard in this game, but with other high-usage guys now coming back into the equation, namely Portis and Holiday, there's not, a left, there's not enough left there for Hill, even if he's still getting starters minutes. Atlanta at Utah. Atlanta on the second half of a back-to-back in altitude after Pacific time. It's one of my favorite fade spots in sports betting. I didn't have the stones to do it in this game, and I'm honestly a little bit weirded out by Utah only being a 7.5-point favorite with Atlanta on the back-to-back. Now, remember, the Hawks came from Golden State. So, uh, you know, you're talking about... eh, It's not really... like It's like a 90-minute flight, maybe a tiny bit less than that actual air time. But going from Pacific time to mountain time... Uh, when everybody's just recently fallen back on daylight saving time stuff, this was a brutal scheduling spot for Atlanta. I'm actually floored that Clint Capella looked pretty good in this game because it seemed like anyone else on the Hawks that had played reasonable minutes in their previous few games did not look all that good. So Trey Young, who was actually fine, but... You could see, like, his heart just wasn't fully in this game, but for stretches. He was trying to go in stretches. That won't get it done against Utah. But Kevin Herter got a whole bunch of stuff to do because no Bogdan Bogdanovich, no DeAndre Hunter. They were both ruled out with injury. I do wonder if the back-to-back altitude thing had anything to do with kind of a rest day. We'll see how they look for their next ball game. If those guys are actually out again, then hell yeah, fire up the Kevin Herters. Uh, if either one of those dudes is back, I think you probably bench Herder because he's not going to get anywhere near what he got in this ballgame. I like to see Capella playing a bit better. The free throw thing, and his free throws are always going to be a problem. That's why he's outside the top 100 right now because his other stuff hasn't been as good as last year, and the free throws have been as bad. But the Hawks, just as a whole team, are kind of a weird mishmash mess right now. Everything will be fine there. This, again, exercise patience. Donovan Mitchell uh, looked better in this one. He's been kind of bouncing back and forth a little bit this year, but overall he's been good. He's number 20 uh, in 9-cat. 
90% free throw stroke. That's been extremely helpful. Um, 22 shots a game has been extremely helpful. Just the, the sheer volume of it all. I do think he falls back towards 35, 40 range. As the season goes, you're seeing that happen with a lot of guys right now. Uh, Conley, fine. Royce O'Neal's actually been pretty good the last week and a half or so. I, I you know, he's he's got that Dorian Finney-Smith level appeal. If you're into that sort of thing, I mean, there's no upside there, but if you want to round out your roster, same kind of story. Uh, and then Rudy Gobert, foul trouble. That doesn't happen to him very often. Foul trouble. Rudy Gobert, uh, slightly quieter ball game there. But again, like, there's nothing there with Utah. I'm only talking about them because it was such a short card. It feels like this is our one opportunity to just kind of parse the Jazz a tiny bit. And then Jordan Clarkson, who I've had a ton of questions about, but I thought we were pretty clear what he was coming into this season, which is a high-scoring, low-efficiency backup. He works in head-to-head because, yeah, his field goal percent is kind of tanking you right now, but otherwise, he'll just sort of accrue stats all year. He's been extremely durable lately, and it's how he was able to push up a pretty good totals rank last season. But also, he put up a pretty good per-game rank last year because Mike Conley uh, and Donovan Mitchell were each out for like 20 ball games. That's really helpful. That basically gives him 40 games where he's a primary. Even if he's not starting, he becomes a primary. He's still taking 15 shots this year, and both those guys have been generally healthy. So you take one of those guys out, Clarkson's going to grab three, four, five extra shots per ball game. That's where he can overwhelm his bad stuff. But overall, he's not a games cap guy. He never was. Clippers beat the Blazers 117-109. This game was actually closer than that final score would indicate. They kind of went back and forth for pretty much the night, and uh, Clippers were able to make kind of the last few important shots, really. As far as fantasy stuff goes, Dame was a little better in this ball game. There is still the fear that he's dealing with something. Uh, rumors are out there that there's an abdominal injury suffered during the Olympics that he is going to ultimately need surgery from. Blazers have really not spoken to it at all. So I think we kind of need to continue to operate as though he's just going to keep going. But, I, you know, I still can't make myself buy that he's going to be a 36.5% shooter all season long. That's just not it. And then on the free throw thing, you could try to blame it on the injury, but nobody's shooting free throws this year. Nobody. Except for John Morant, basically. So I, I think that comes back... Um, he's never been a big defensive stats guy. He just, we need the scoring to get up. We need the field goal percent, the scoring to get up and things will kind of move with it. Blazers are weird. Blazers are a weird team. They're, they're trying to find an identity. Norman Powell, luckily has been outstanding. He was a hoop ball guy. And then Rob Covington, six, five and six, a steal, a block and a three pointer. And the fact that he got eight shots, that's everything I could possibly want out of a Rob Covington night, 39 minutes, eight shots, Everything else just falls into place. CJ McCollum has predictably cooled off after his torrid top 15 start to the year. He's now back in the 40s, kind of where he belongs, and he'll bounce uh, probably back and forth between 25 and 65 all season long. CJ, you can set your watch to it. Uh, and then Larry Nance, basically a season low here. Nine minutes, you can move on because he's just splitting the power forward minutes with Rob Covington right now, and that's not going to work. What we need is for uh, Cody Zeller or Yusuf Nurkic to get dinged up. That's the path to Larry Nance getting activity right now. 
On the Clippers' side, the Nick Batum freight train just keeps on rumbling. You guys are all, I listen, I appreciate the love. I really do on that one because we were way ahead of the curve on Nick Batum here on Fantasy NBA Today. But look, please don't celebrate yet. We are nine games into the season. It's the same phenomenon when we're talking about things that aren't going well. We have to apply the same philosophy to things that are. It can change overnight. I don't think Marcus Morris is going to completely derail Batum, but he could. I don't think Nick Batum's going to shoot 53% all year from the field. I also don't think he's going to shoot 43% at the free throw line, but it's going to be much lower volume there. The other stuff, relatively sustainable if you just dial back the field goal percent thing. He makes them better. He's the guy who makes the smart play. I like what we're dealing with here. I don't think anybody believes he's going to be a top 45 guy all season long. He's been top 35 the last two weeks after a couple games of him kind of getting his legs underneath him as well. So no, you can't really sell high. No one's buying it yet. If you could get a top 75 guy for him, I definitely would do it. I just don't think you can. Other notes on the Clippers. Reggie Jackson. Shots starting to come around a little bit. And this is always what we talked about. He's now up to number 115 in 9-cat after being about 30 slots back of that two games ago. His shooting is up to 39% now. And this is always what we were waiting for. Every percentage point, his field goal percent goes up. He jumps about 15 slots. Get him up to 40%, he'll be number 102. It's roughly roughly 15 slots ahead. Get him up to 41%, he'll probably be number 87. And it'll move like that for him, although it'll slow down a little bit the farther you get. If he gets up to about 42-43% shooting, he's probably a top 80 guy. That's all that needs to happen with Reggie. Everything else, right in line. Eric Bledsoe was the other story on the Clippers' side. He finally had a better ball game again. 11 points, 5 boards, 6 assists, 2 steals, 2 three-pointers. It's why I got kind of excited about Bledsoe when the season first began, but he's shooting 34% from the field right now. That's going to come up. I just don't know if I can wait. It's not like with Reggie Jackson where he was taking 17, 18 shots a game, and you're just like, okay, yes, like this one category is the only thing sinking the boat. With Eric Bledsoe, he just, like, he's not getting a ton of shots. So the field goal percent, while it is his biggest negative at the moment, and would wash if that comes back up to 42, or whatever we need to get it to, that washes out that. It improves him in threes and points. The three-pointers doesn't look like he's taking very many of them. Uh, there, There's just no guarantee with him. But I would say keep an eye on Bledsoe because the ability to get boards and assists and steals in particular, there could be something there. I don't know, man. The usage is just so low that, like, it's going to take longer for him to crawl out of his top 145 hole because he's probably not going to go have a game where he shoots 10 for 15. It's going to be 3 for 7, 3 for 7, 3 for 7, 3 for 7, 4 for 7, 3 for 7, 4 for 7. And like slowly 34% becomes 43%, but it could take weeks. And in between there, what is he if he's shooting 43% instead of 33%? He's like probably around the edge of the top 100. Yes, that is 12-team viable, but barely. So if you don't catch him on the right week, probably doesn't end up quite being worth it. 
Hey, good news, everyone. Our buddies over at mybookie.ag are also back for the 2021-2022 season. Make sure to sign up for an account using promo code HOOPBALL. That's an easy one. No numbers on the end or anything. It's on the third page of sign-up. If you haven't been using them over there, I've been talking about them for a year and change here on the podcast. Mybookie.ag is the website. When you sign up, make sure to use promo code HOOPBALL on the third page. First page is sign up. Uh, just ask for like email and phone. Second page, I think is address. And then the third page is promo codes. And that's where you can type in hoop ball in the box up top. They ask if you heard it on a podcast, you can fill in that info if you want. This is of course, fantasy NBA today. Uh, and that unlocks various deposit bonuses when you make your first deposit over at mybookie.ag. Definitely join us over there because they've got these incredible odds boost things that happen like every other week these days, some of them uh, are on the NFL, some are on uh, college football, there was some hockey, there's been some NBA stuff. I'll tell you right now, over about the last 15 or 16 months, on odds boosts alone, there are some of us that, and like I skipped a couple and other people did them all or whatever, like if you picked the right ones and maxed them out, it's been like four or $500. That's amazing. And you didn't even have to place any other bets. You can cash out four or 500 bucks. I am giving you, that's effectively like $350 a year just to hang out with me on mybookie.ag. So get in there, make that first deposit, put in like 50 bucks or whatever it takes to make sure you have enough for the odds boosts uh, and play along with us. If you want to do the freebies from our guys over at HoopBall Gaming, you can do that as well. But again, that's mybookie.ag. Promo code is HoopBall. Uh, basically the entire NBA goes tonight. It's, uh, four, five, is this 12, 13 games today? It's something nuts. 13. I think it's, oh my God, is that a card? Um, rather than go through the homework and what to watch for stuff, let's just do that on social media. So join me over on Twitter. We'll kind of keep the show going over there. 13 games. There's a lot to pay attention to. Uh, might even have a betting play out there as well. So uh, plenty to take care of on that front. And we'll keep it light today. We'll keep it light on this Wednesday. Tomorrow we'll have a lot, a lot, a lot to to break down on the show. Um, Friday's pod, I don't know exactly when that's coming to you. It might be kind of late. I've got some weird stuff going on scheduling-wise. We'll try to figure that out. But either way, we're Monday through Friday now, so it's coming at some point. And, again, uh, no more weekends. (laughs) Dan O needs his weekends back. Anywho, uh, please do continue to rate and review the podcast as well. I, again, massive thank you to everybody that continues to do that for us. It's been quite a few of you guys. I think we're up to like 740 reviews on iTunes now. That's just, that's that's nuts. I, I, a couple years ago to think that that's a number that we could achieve. That's more than some of the really big fantasy shows out there. Not all of them, but I mean, we're like number two in fantasy reviews on the basketball side. That's remarkable. So thank you. Thank you. Love you guys. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Follow me over there so we can talk about the games coming up tonight. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Hasta mañana. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.